Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? It's going well. It's going well. This uh, pandemic is what it is. Obviously, we've been in that for a while, and I keep talking about it, but I don't know. But it, but yeah, it's it's going well. I mean, keeping busy, work, uh, Bulls offseason stuff, playoff bubble, uh, playoff playoffs have been fun. Finals have uh, the one game was really good. Mm-hmm. They've had a couple of exciting games, but I'm hoping that. Uh, the Heat could come back here and, uh, and and push it to at least one more game. But outside of that, overall, like I said, you know, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, yeah. And the NBA Finals has been a lot better than I think people expected it to be. We got a pretty good game in Game 3. Game 4 was a good game as well. So uh, the last couple of games have been really interesting after two really uneventful ones to start the NBA Finals. But yeah, I'm hanging in there and everything is everything. But Even though the Chicago Bulls are not playing, we're still discussing the big news from a few weeks ago and that they hired Billy Donovan as their head coach. And it was a move that came out of nowhere, really. I don't think anyone really expected Billy Donovan to be the Chicago Bulls head coach. And the gap in between from when Donovan left the Oklahoma City Thunder to when he agreed to become the Chicago Bulls head coach, it seemed like that gap was significantly smaller than the pool's actual head coaching search. So Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley, they jumped on their guy when he became available. And we have more to discuss with about Billy Donovan as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls and joining us on Bulls Gold to discuss Billy Donovan and his tenure in Oklahoma City. Dylan, a part of the Topic Thunder podcast. Dylan, thanks for joining us today, man. Absolutely, man. Glad to be on. Excited to talk a little basketball with you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely should be good. Uh, good talk. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as as I mentioned, like at the top, this all materialized really, really quickly. So, but before we get into Donovan's, what we can expect from Billy Donovan with the Chicago Bulls, let's talk about how he became available in the first place because. Oklahoma City had a very surprising season. I think no one really expected them to be a playoff team in a loaded Western Conference. And a lot of people expected them to be in a rebuilding mode, even with Chris Paul. But you look at that team last year and they were a very good and competitive team. They were able to develop some young pieces. They had good veteran leadership with Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and of course, Steven Adams. And it was Billy Donovan's fifth season in Oklahoma City. So, again, a, a very successful season for him and what some have called his most impressive season. So talk. let's talk about how we got here. Were you surprised that Billy Donovan left Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City after his fifth season and that, that he did not agree to return after they gave him a contract extension or, or, or an offer? Yeah, I I would say I was a little surprised, you know, initially, um, just because, um, you know, I would say this year is probably, you know, you mentioned he's been here five years. This year is probably his most impressive job as far as coaching goes, just because it's a completely different team than he's had in the past, um, you know, in his time in the NBA. Um, And, you know, us Thunder fans, we kind of always thought that Billy was more apt, um, I guess, more compatible with a kind of rebuilding younger team 
not not so much like a bona fide contender like when we had Russ and PG or even Russ and KD um, because you know he's he's shown a little bit of deficiencies there and there and we'll, and we'll get into that later but yeah it, it kind of shocked us because you know obviously you know the writing's kind of on the wall for what's going to happen with OKC in the future you know like you said, we had a great season this year, but a lot of things had to go right for that to happen. Gallo was pretty much healthy the entire season, and Chris Paul was healthy the entire season. He missed one game. I think it was the game after Kobe died, so that was even on his own will, and that's that's kind of unheard of in the latter half of Chris Paul's career. So, you know, all that had to happen in order for us to get to where we're at. Like you said, it shocked everybody. We kind of expected this year to, you know – kind of be a rebuilding year to ship off some of these players like Chris Paul, Gallo, Steven Adams, maybe even. So, you know, that that's kind of where we thought it would be. And, you know, the only reason we was able to, you know, shock people like we were is because of the play of those guys and those guys being able to stay healthy. Uh, as far as Billy getting let go, man, yeah, it, it kind of came out of nowhere, like I said. But uh, when you get into the details behind it, you know, Sam Presti apparently offered Billy before we went up to the bubble, I think a two year extension. Uh, I, I can't remember the money uh, off the top of my head. I, th- I think it was like 4 million a year or something like that, but it was like a two year, $4 million uh, contract a year or whatever. And Billy said no. And it was basically because Sam couldn't commit or give Billy any assurance about what the future is going to hold for the thunder, um, which tells, you know, me tells Thunder fans that Billy doesn't want to coach a rebuilding team. Billy wants to coach a successful team. And that also kind of tips the hat as to what Sam Presti and the Thunder's um, plans are going to be, you know, in the near future. So uh, it, it kind of surprised me, but it also kind of didn't surprise me. What, what I found surprising just, you know, hearing you talk there in the beginning that you guys didn't think Chicago was a destination because, when we talked about potential landing spots for Billy Donovan, Chicago was one of the two or three that we came up with. I think it was like Chicago, New Orleans, and um, mm. I, I can't remember the other team. But, you know, like I said, we always thought that Billy would thrive with a place with young players, untapped potential, a place where he can grow and kind of develop those guys. That's it's interesting you bring that up just because our perspective was – that he didn't want to, like you said, you know, he didn't want to be part of a, a rebuilding team. So why would he come to Chicago where, granted, we're not in a total rebuild, but we're still kind of figuring out who we are, who the players on this roster, who they are, and who maybe could, we could keep going forward. Uh, one other thing I was thinking about when he decided to come here, obviously with AK being the new uh, hire, He's going to be here for a long term. We know that for sure. And I remember some conversations about, I don't know if there were real legit rumors or not, but maybe some idea that maybe Sam Presti will leave OKC into another opportunity or something like that after he's kind of, you know, accumulated all his assets. Do you think maybe there was a certain uncertainty there that he wasn't sure that Sam may be there long term and he didn't want to stay here and maybe if Sam's not going to be here? I don't get that inclination personally. I think that in terms of how the Oklahoma City Thunder is set up right now with all the future draft picks, with all the pieces that teams are wanting now, and like a Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, Dennis Schroeder, even Gallo in a potential sign-in trade, I think 
with how the team's set up now, like that's that's what a GM wants to do. They want to mess with, like they want to tinker and they want to toy and they want to build the roster the best way they can. So I don't, I, I don't really think that you know Sam Presti would want to leave that. I mean he he made those moves, you know, to kind of get those assets for the future, and I think he had a plan when he did that. At least some some kind of a plan. Sam Presti is always a guy that has a plan. Uh, I mean, you know, and it's it's obvious in the moves that he's made in the past, you know, he's, he's always got a plan. So I, I, I don't think that he's going to leave OKC anytime soon, but Hey, I, I could be wrong. That That's just what I'm thinking. It, it surprises me because when, when we look at this bulls roster right now, and granted Mark Eversley came out recently and said that him and Arturis Karnishevis view this as a retool. And I, I don't disagree, but when you look at this team right now, three straight seasons of like about what, 20 something wins, it, it, it comes off closer to a rebuild in a sense, even though they're not tanking, but it's it feels like this team is still in the middle of one. So it, it surprised me that Billy Donovan was saying, OK, I, I don't want to be here for a rebuild, but let me go to this team in Chicago that's pretty much in the middle of one. But granted, that could also say about what Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley have communicated to him like, hey, we're going to they, they probably feel that they can turn this team around quickly. So what do you think about you mentioned that the Bulls have these young players that they can that Billy Donovan can benefit when he develops them. And we know that Karnishevis and Eversley are placing a huge priority on not only being a player first organization but they want to develop these players and get the most out of them so what do you think about how billy donovan can impact these players as a head coach uh, I, I think he'll do a great job with them. I, honestly, I think that when you look around the league at all the potential head coaches, I think Billy Donovan was the perfect coach to end up in Chicago because, you know, you have young players like Kobe White who looks to be, you know, kind of your point guard of the future. And then you have, you know, guys like Wendell Carter Jr., Lori Markinen, Markinen, you know, the, the latter part there, Markinen, uh, kind of hasn't, you know, lived up to what he showed you guys his rookie season. And, you know, I, I think it's evidence in the past, you know, a few seasons that's Billy, that Billy's been in OKC. He's great at developing young talent. I mean, you look at the jump that Shea made. I mean, that's work ethic. That's Chris Paul, but that's also Billy Donovan. You look at a guy like Lou Dort, a guy that went undrafted, you know, in the 2019 NBA draft. You know, he worked his way up from the G League, but Billy was instrumental in his development. And he said so much in his interviews before. Darius Baisley, another guy. And you go on into the past, um, you know, you've got Hamu Diallo, you've got Terrence Ferguson. You got all these young guys that, you know, Billy has kind of, you know, ushered along in their development. And, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. I mean, I know Terrence Ferguson's a train wreck right now, but there was a time Terrence Ferguson was shooting 40% from three for like a two-month span. So, you know, it, it comes in spurts. But I, I think that he'd be great for Kobe White. I think he'd be great for Laurie and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, as far as coaching-wise, not just so much development, 
Um, I think it'll be interesting because obviously Billy Donovan and he, he kind of showed this year, he kind of thrives with multiple guards on the floor at a time, or at least multiple ball handlers on the floor at one time. Um, as evidenced by this year when we had Shea, Chris, and Dennis out there, and that was the best three-man and I think part of the best five-man lineup in the league in terms of net rating. Um and I mean, that goes all the way back to Florida. You know, he always likes to operate with multiple guards, multiple ball handlers, multiple scorers on the floor. So I, I think it'll be a lot of fun for you guys to have a Kobe White, Zach Levine. And uh, what pick do you guys have? You guys number seven? Fourth. Four. Oh, hey, four. Hey, That's even better. Seventh, seventh is ironic <laughs> that you say that because we've been haunted with the seventh pick for like yeah, the last like three years in a row, but we finally. Finally escaped that ghost. Yeah, you don't want to wish that. Yeah, don't, I, don't wish I think that, that might be why, why I was thinking in the back <laughs> yeah. of my head seven. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's even better because you guys can get somebody, you know, maybe like Olamelo Ball, a Killian Hayes, a tire, you know, somebody like that. You know, a ball handler that you can play alongside Kobe White and Zach Levine, and you know they still be effective on the floor. And I think that Billy would do a great job of you know kind of bringing out the strengths of a unit like that. So, so would you say as reputation kind of has been right now where he will get the most out of the roster that he has? And obviously, I guess you can argue when that KD and Russ, uh, Russ roster that he had that almost got out of the West. Maybe you can argue that was, you know, borderline. But would you say his overall tenure with OKC that – is some that's true that he had definitely got the most out of whatever he had on the floor. Yeah. And, and the other thing with Billy Donovan that a lot of people don't notice, I mean, he do gets beat up time by time again, just because, I mean, you know, his playoff performances and stuff like that, but Billy Donovan had to take an entirely different roster every single season and try to figure out how they play well together. Like he had Russ and KD led team his first year. Then you throw in, then it's just Russ. It's just Russ. That's his MVP season. That's all he's got. Then the next season you bring in Paul George and you're trying to make Carmelo happy. And then the next season it's just Russ and Paul George. And then everything's thrown out and you have, you know, three new guys that are big parts of the offense. Like Billy Donovan's have one of the toughest jobs in the NBA and he doesn't get enough credit for it. And I, you know, like you guys were saying, you know, this is kind of a retool, you know, kind of see what's going on with your roster. I think there will be a little bit more stability in what you guys can give him than he's had in this past few years in OKC. So I, I think that'll, that'll definitely benefit him and, you know, help him get the most out of the guys on the roster. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, and and I was making that point on our uh, our last show that it seemed like Billy Donovan that you would never look at any of Oklahoma City's rosters of the past five years and say, man, Billy Donovan just didn't get enough out of that team. He got about what you would expect out of each and every one of those teams, and that's extremely encouraging. So I I come across as while I, I while no one's going to say that Billy Donovan is a top five coach or anything like that, I think he's probably like somewhere in that like tier two type of coach where you definitely have someone good who I think is at, at worst probably an average NBA coach, and that's a significant upgrade for his Bulls roster. So let me ask you this: we last week or not last week, but about two weeks ago, we talked about. His playing style, and as you mentioned, the three-guard lineup, that seems to be something that Bulls fans can expect a lot out of. So offensively, what do you expect from him 
what, what can you tell Bulls fans about how he's going to roll out these lineups in terms of just that overall playing style? Like, is it going to be something that is going to be more like half court like oriented? Is it going to be like a fast paced team? Like what type like what type of offense is he going to run if he's going to depend on a lot of these three guard lineups? You know, it, it's hard to say based on his time in OKC because, you know, when Russ was on the floor, you know, when we had Russ on our team, obviously he was playing fast because as soon as he got the rebound, you were running and you were trying to get buckets in transition. Uh, it was a lot more half court, um, you know, in this prior year with, you know, Shea, Dennis, and Chris kind of attacking you off the dribble, kicking out shooters. And honestly, I, I kind of see more of that for you guys as a you know just because you guys don't have that uh i guess you can say to a certain degree zach levine as far as getting it and pushing the tempo but zach levine is not the playmaker us westbrook is but um so yeah i i think you guys would you know benefit more so from the half court kind of you know attacking the basket with kobe white with zach levine and you know whoever you get with the number four not seven pick and you know kicking out to shooters like lori and even Wendell because Wendell stretched the floor a little bit too right he can, but we have not really seen him shoot much, I'm and we, we're we, we're not then. yeah <laughs> we're not sure if it's because the coaching staff is telling him not to shoot or if he's not just willing to shoot or maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know, but that is something that we're hoping Billy Donovan can can unlock, and because he coached a young Al Horford who Wendell Carter Jr. drew a lot of similarities to, yep. some a lot of Bulls fans are optimistic that year three for Wendell Carter Jr. could be uh, very impactful for him. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, don't don't look at Steven Adams as kind of the rule for, you know, Billy Donovan coaching big man. Steven Adams is his own, you know, is his own thing. Um, Steven Adams has said many times, even in the book that he wrote, that he he can shoot threes. He can shoot threes very good, but he trusts the ability of his teammates more so. He trusts that, for example, he trusts Russell Westbrook taking a jump shot or Paul George shooting an open three more than he trusts himself making a three. He thinks it's a better shot for them. So, you know, that's that's how big of a teammate guy Steven Adams is. So that's why you don't see him, you know, shooting threes or anything like that. But, yeah, that's, that's definitely in Billy's, you know, kind of repertoire is coaching up a skilled big man because – even though Steven didn't shoot threes, you know, you kind of saw a little bit of it this year. They would give Steven the ball on the post, the elbow, and, you know, they would send cutters back door and Steve, you know, he would trust Steven to find them. And, you know, you know, talking about Wendell Carter's, you know, kind of skill set, I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter, you know, they asked me if they thought that was a possibility and, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I mean, at least try it a few times to see what he can do with it, you know? Dude, so a lot of, Another reputation with uh, Billy Donovan, again, being the player's coach, and his reputation is pretty positive overall. And we saw guys like, obviously, his former players like Joakim Noah really applaud the signing for the Bulls. And then Bradley Beal was another guy who was very happy that he saw Billy Donovan, you know, get picked up by the Bulls as well. Do you think that helps the Bulls in general, like, as far as their reputation around the league and knowing that they have a guy like Billy Donovan and, and potential in the future with free agents even? 
I I don't know if it affects you, you know, one way or another free agency wise. I mean, in the end of the day, you guys are Chicago. I mean, you you'll get, you know, some free agents if you guys, you know, start developing a winning program. Uh, as far as guys like Brad Bill, Joe Kim Noah, I mean, that's just kind of the Florida connection with Billy Donovan. And, you know, we didn't see that kind of manifest itself in OKC. You know, there was rumors that Al Horford was willing to sign with OKC if Kevin Rant was to come back, you know. And then, you know, we obviously we brought back Corey Brewer um, in uh, the 2018 season. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of those relationships popping back up. But, yeah, I I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know what your guys like future picks situation looks like or if you guys have enough to get it done. But I know Brad Bill would be willing to come and play for Billy Donovan. So I don't know if you guys have, you know, what you need to get a Brad Bill, but I, I definitely think that's a possibility for you guys. Yeah, I'm not even yeah, sure. That. I'm not even sure how that would work with Bill and Levine. I don't know. I mean, Bill is really good, but just it seems like it kind of seems like redundant with Levine here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I don't know. I, I think you would probably have to get rid of uh, Zach Levine mm. there, but. I mean, I, I personally value Brad Bill over Zach Levine, but yeah, I, I, I get it. They're, they're pretty close, and you know they do play the same position, so I get you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so one other one other constant that has been apparent throughout Billy Donovan's tenure in Oklahoma City is that he's always had really good veterans throughout it. As you mentioned, he had the final year of KD and Russ, then he had Russ, of course, Stephen Adams throughout all of those five years got Paul George, got Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari as well. And one of the things that's been missing with this Bulls team of the last three years is that they just have not gotten really good play from veteran players. And because of that, they're always trotting out a lineup that has all of these young players who are trying to learn how to play together at the same time and making similar mistakes and not like making the same mistakes on the defensive end. And it's really hard to win games that way. Now, of course, we have Otto Porter and Tomas Sadaransky and Thaddeus Young on this team now serving as the veteran presence, but doesn't really line up with what Billy Donovan had in Oklahoma City. So do you think that Billy Donovan, upon coming <laughs> to Chicago, is just kind of like nudging Carnage? Uh, it's like, hey, we got to get like we we're, we want to develop these young players, but we got to get some more veterans in here who can play if we really want to take that next step so we can have a balance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Billy 100% values uh, veteran leadership and experience, uh, specifically in the playoffs. Um, you know, there's, you know, if you go back through his past few years, I mean, Darius Baisley this past year in the playoffs, a lot of fans really wanted Darius Baisley to keep you know, you know, to have Darius Baisley in the game, but he elected to keep Steven Adams doing the Ella Gallinari. Um, you go back to Russ's MVP year, he played Todd Gibson, you know, over um, Demonis Sabonis, mm. who's now an all-star. So, you know, sometimes to a fault, Billy will rely on veteran leadership, but I do think it's important to talk about this past season specifically, the partnership that he had with Chris Paul. Like, those two were, you know, they were right there with each other. Like uh, they were, all, they were always on the same page. You know, they were always bouncing ideas off each other. Billy, you know, spoke very highly of Chris Paul's intelligence and his leadership and, you know, the, the same back and forth of Chris Paul. So I, I do think that, 
you know, once Billy, you know, he gets there with the guys in Chicago, you know, I think that he's going to try to establish that relationship with the veterans and, you know, kind of bounce ideas off them and, you know, you know, kind of give them, you know, kind of push on along that leadership, you know, to the young guys, because like you said, I mean, young guys are important. Like you have to have a core in order to have a future, but you know, you got to have the veterans to usher them along because, you know, not all, not every player will listen to the coach, yeah. um, i.e. Russell Westbrook. So, yeah. <laughs> Talking about Billy Donovan's coaches, obviously we, he's, again, known as a player's coach. Um, what is he like in endgame stuff as far as when he sees players making mistakes? Um, last year there was a big uh, moment in Bull with the Bulls where Zach Levine supposedly made, you know, these defensive errors. And Jim Boylan pulled him in the middle of the game and kind of singled him out in a sense. And granted, there was there were some errors, but it wasn't just Zach by himself um, making those errors. So, in a situation that happens again next season with the Bulls, how would how do you think Billy would approach something like that? Uh, offensively, I think is you know as long as you're you know staying aggressive. Um, I think Billy's okay with it. I, I do know that if you don't play defense, or if you at least don't give a you know good effort on defense, Billy will pull you. Um, you know, a lot of fans wanted to see Abdul Nader play a lot more this season because he's he's great on offense. I mean, dude's a bucket. I, I can't say anything else about it. But he he couldn't defend a piece of paper. So uh, he played sparing minutes, and that's because Billy puts such a. Um, such a premium on playing defense. And so I, I, I think that would, uh, you know, th- that's the only thing I think would cause a short leash for some of those young guys is if, you know, they have a defensive lapse or he doesn't feel like the effort's there on a given night. I mean, that's bad news for Lowry then because Lowry's defensive effort and effectiveness is, uh, it's not all the way there. Even though we want to see Lowry break out and we believe he can play much better than what he's capable of last year, it just felt like there were so many games last season and even before that where it's just like you don't know what value he's supposed to bring defensively because it's just like he's just not really there. Like, I don't know. When when teams go small, I think a lot of fans right now are concerned that where does Lowry play? Because if you play him at center, then you have the red carpets of a rim. If you play him at the four, then he's easy to take off the dribble. So I... I mean, you saying that is making me think I, I don't know how big of a leash he's going to give to Larry Markinen. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's it's a different case with Lowry just because, you know, he's kind of one of – or he was, you know, one of your all's bigger pieces, um, and specifically where he's a starter. And I, I think that, you know, like I said earlier about developing young players, I think that he's going to, you know, kind of set a standard – you know, for Lowry to, you know, on defense, you know, Gallinari, he's not a young player, but he's also not a great defender. You know, historically he, he hasn't been a great defender and he doesn't really seem like he's given much of an effort, but if you watch him this year in OKC, he was always at least giving an effort and, you know, he wasn't having defensive lapses or anything like that. You know, sometimes he'd get beat because, you know, he, he's not super quick laterally, but he was always given that effort and he was, you know, he was always in the right place at the right time. Uh, he even shut down Luca at the end of one game. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think Billy will issue challenges, you know, to to those young players and kind of see if they rise to the occasion. And if he starts to see that they're not working out, 
then you might start to see, you know, some short leashes. Mm. You you did mention as far as that's like the three guard lineup. Who who else do you think will benefit the most overall on the current Bulls roster uh, from having a guy like Billy Donovan? Um, I know you said like Wendell Carter, but um, as, as is there anyone like do you think Zach will benefit, or do you think maybe there's another player on here on this roster that could benefit more with a guy having a guy like Billy Donovan coming on board? Uh, honestly, man, I, I think Kobe White could benefit just because Billy's, you know, he's coached guys like Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Shea Gildas Alexander. They all have these different skill sets and different aspects and different ways that they play the game. And he can take those experience of coaching guys like that and kind of pour into Kobe White. Because, I mean, at this point, Zach Levine kind of is what he is, right? I mean, he's he's a veteran in this league. He's still younger than, you know, a lot of the other guys, but he's a veteran in this league. He's a veteran on that team. Kobe White is very much still a work in progress, very much somebody that you can still mold and turn into somebody great. So I, I definitely think he can help Kobe White's development. We mentioned draft picks earlier in the Bulls having the number four overall pick, and we really don't know what direction they can go with this pick and this draft is – it's definitely going to be an entertaining draft because it doesn't seem like there's going to be really a set order that anyone goes. We don't know who will be the number one, number two, number three, and so on. So uh, you mentioned LaMelo Ball earlier. Who who else do you think from this draft works for Bulls at number four that you could see Billy Donovan really maximizing? And it, it's tough, man. This I'm just going to straight up tell you, this draft scares the crap out of me <laughs> just because the bust potential of everybody projecting in the lottery is all like sky high. I, I think there's going to be some great role players in the later in the latter half of the draft, but as far as the lottery, like it scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I I think Lamelo Ball would be you know great for your all's team just because he's long enough to kind of play that two, three spot, you know, Kobe can still be on the floor as the point guard. Um, You know, he can shoot. And I I think he's going to be a good defender in this league. And obviously, you know, he can, you know, kind of do some playmaking. Other than that, I think, you know, somebody like a Killian Hayes, you know, I would say Anthony Edwards would be fun, but I don't think he's going to be there at four or anything like that. So, yeah, I would, I would say some, uh, you know, a a playmaker like a LaMelo Ball or Killian Hayes probably. Let me ask you another question on, uh, again with the guards um, and a guy like Chris Paul. What has his trade value, you think, for the OKC? Like, what do you think they're looking for? I know the Bulls would be a weird situation to try to get go after a guy like Chris Paul just because where they're at. But at the same time, I think about um, getting the most out of some of these players and having a guy like Chris Paul could be beneficial too. Uh, what do you think Sam Presti's looking for? Obviously, he has improved his trade value compared to last offseason when there's questions about his attitude and whatever. And he came back and had a all-star, all-NBA season and really showed himself that, yeah, he's still arguably a top 15 player in this league. Yeah, I, I think the big thing with Chris Paul is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who can trade for him because we still don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap. Um, if there's going to be some, you know, if they're going to smooth the cap or if they're going to keep it the way it is or, you know, whatever that they decide to do. Um, but I think, you know, Sam Presti values first and foremost draft picks just because it gives you flexibility in the future, um, you know, to make other moves and also, you know, to make moves in, the, in you know, draft time or, you know, gives you an opportunity to draft 
a guy with high potential. But he also, I, I think we're looking for young players. So I, I would say for Chris Paul, you know, just like a, I would say, you know, one first, maybe a young player, and then whatever you got to do to get the contracts to match. Uh, I, I don't know if the, like I said, I don't know what your all's, you know, future asset situations looking like. Um, so I couldn't say if Chris Paul and the Bulls are a good trade partner or not. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's what, you know, Presti is kind of looking for just, you know, future picks and maybe a young player that, you know, we can maybe, you know, take another shot on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm not a hundred percent certain about the fit either. Just because like, obviously the trade, not the fit, but the trade, I was just something I was thinking about just because like I said, um, right now I know, we mentioned that Kobe, future-wise, he can maybe develop into a point guard, but he's not really a point guard right now. I'd probably put him more in that Shea mold where he's kind of learning that position still. So having Chris Paul can do major dividends, having that like really high IQ, you know, obviously he's kind of pretty much an all-time great as far as that position is concerned, but having that kind of player on the roster could really help play dividends. But yeah, it was just something I was thinking about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's actually something that Thunder, Thunder fans kind of mentioned whenever, you know, Billy Donovan going to Chicago was announced. It was like, oh, well, what would Chris Paul look like there, you know, with Billy Donovan? And also Chris Paul has a, has a relationship with Kobe White. I think uh, Kobe went to his camps when he was younger. So you know, yeah. he, he refers to him as one of his young guys. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. him and Wendell Carter Jr., they're both very close with, uh, with Chris Paul. Yeah, that to me, that just makes the case for, again, like a LaMelo Ball or a Killian Hayes even stronger. And I, I know like LaMelo Ball is not the type of player that I normally go for in a draft. But like you said, in this type of draft where it just feels like it's all over the place, I, mm-hmm. I'm i game just taking a shot here. I'm Everyone always talks about they want to hit the home run. I'm, I'm game taking it here because you're talking about the height the ball handling, the ability to create for others. And I think that can really make someone like Lowry Markkinen or Wendell Carter Jr. better. So, I mean, if you give LaMelo ball, I don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure he'd probably come off the bench his first year, but play some three-guard lineups and see how that goes with Levine and Kobe. Granted, I don't think anyone in that lineup is going to defend a chair, but hey, <laughs> what do you have to lose? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've heard somebody, I don't remember who it was that said this, but they basically said if Lamelo's shooting is even close to real, you just have a taller Trey Young on your team. And, you know, you can't can't go wrong with that. Yeah, yep, definitely. That would be that would be like the best, like ultimate best case scenario. Obviously, it's wishful thinking mm-hmm. that, that does come to fruition. That's a ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that would be uh, that would be a hell of a ceiling for sure. And you always wonder, too, I, I always keep talking about how obviously he went to MBL and it's just a different animal over there compared to college. So I always wonder if that has kind of hindered um, his play because he had to adjust to, you know, obviously a new country uh, playing against grown men and, and all those various variables involved. Yeah, it definitely is a different game over there. And the other thing, and we talked about this on the last show is that, with this new management here, with AK and with Eversley here, Ball represents just a type of player 
that is usually not a first round pick for the Chicago Bulls, at least from a personality perspective, at least from a perspective of what he comes with. Not saying that he's a bad kid or anything like that, but you don't look at LaMelo Ball and you don't look at the Bulls drafting a type of a LaMelo Ball type of player with all of that baggage coming Mm -hmm. to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, definitely with LeVar, definitely with some of the off-court distractions. I mean, we we were talking to Rob Schaefer uh, a few weeks ago and just his responses in his uh, chat with the media all being one word answers. I mean, things like that is not what you typically expect from uh, a Bulls type of player, but it certainly would be a good fun test to see what they, what type of environment they can create that can get the most out of really any type of player personality here. So, I mean, that would definitely be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the key for Lamelo's future, wherever it is he goes, is he needs to go somewhere that has a good culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if he doesn't go any, somewhere with a good culture, then I, I think that his career is going to kind of be a flame out. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you're looking at the Thunder, now that Billy Donovan is gone, what direction do you think they're going to go with with their next head coach? Uh, You know, there's been a few names thrown out there. I mean, the dream would be for Antonio Daniels to come back. He used to be an analyst for us at Fox Sports Oklahoma. I think he would be a lot of fun. But there's been a lot of names out there. Uh, David Vanterpool is a name that I'm really interested in just because uh-huh. um, I know Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum kind of credit him uh, with kind of bringing them up and along um, once they got in the league. And I know he's supposed to be, you know, like you, like like Billy was. He's a player's coach. I think he'd be great for the development of the young guys, specifically Shea. Uh, you know, probably somebody like that. Kenny Axon, I wouldn't be mad at. Uh, the only problem is, as we saw with Billy Donovan, I don't know if we're trying to spend a lot of money on a new head coach. I don't think we're necessarily looking for our next head coach for the next, you know, five, six years. I think – we're trying to get a head coach to kind of grow and develop these young guys. And once we're in a position to where we can compete in the Western conference again, then we bring somebody in, we pay, you know, we, we pay the big bucks to bring somebody else in to kind of usher that team along. So yeah, it, it's hard to say, man, there's, there's all kinds of names out there though. Yeah. Yeah. David Vanterpool, he was somebody that I was, I really wanted for uh, the uh, Bulls job before Billy Donovan uh, before all of that came together for the reasons that you mentioned that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, they were just over the top with their praise for him as a developmental mm-hmm. coach, as a leader for their team and just someone that they could always confide in. Like just seeing how much he meant to them, just that sold me given the type of players and just dogs that Lillard and McCollum are. So, I mean, yeah, I think they were would be a great fit. Heck yeah, man. I would love it. I would, yeah. I would really love it. I think it'd be great for Shea. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, let me ask you another question in regards to uh, Billy Donovan. With his assistant coaches, uh, one of the names that kind of they talked about with Chicago Connection was Maurice Cheeks that potentially would, he would bring him with um, over from OKC. Do you think anyone else on OKC's uh, bench that he had last year he would come bring over as well? Um in your in your opinion, I mean, it's possible. You know, I don't 
know the strength of the relationships between you know the other assistants uh it if you all bring Mo Cheeks over, I'll, I'll be really sad because Mo Cheeks has been such a staple for the franchise in these past few years. Uh, he was kind of the Russ whisperer. Um, he was one of the only guys that could really get to Russ. So, uh, you know, our loss is your gain. If you guys were to get a guy like Mo Cheeks, I think he'd be great for, you know, your old program uh, specifically. You know, I know Levine took a lot of issue with Jim Boylan, which I know a lot of people took issue with Jim <laughs> Boylan, but, you know, Russ wasn't always happy with his coaches and Mo was kind of there to, you know, calm him down and kind of talk him down. So yeah, Mo Cheeks would be great for your guys. So Mo Cheeks, you think he, he'll be really beneficial for Zach Levine. So like, could you speak even more in depth about like how he was able to just like to really impact someone like Russell Westbrook, especially during uh, that MVP type of season where you're losing Kevin Durant and then all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook is the entire offense, and he's just—he just goes out there every night, just playing balls to the wall, and it's just—he's just on it. Yeah, and you know, I—I I think a lot of that's just Russ. Uh, Mo was just kind of there to kind of be, you know, the voice in his ear, just kind of keep not—not not let him get too high, not let him get too low, just you know, trying to keep him level, trying to keep him together, because you know we love Russ in Oklahoma City. You know, he's he's our heart and soul. He's our franchise. He's going to have a statue. He's going to have his jersey retired, all that stuff. But dude was a fiery personality, and he could let his emotions get the best of him sometimes. So uh, having Mo on the sideline there to kind of keep him in check definitely helped us out. Yeah, it will be interesting to see um, how he fill out, fills out the bench. Um, yeah, that's just been – I've been curious about to see how he would go about doing that. And I know that, like I said, Mo Cheeks came up as a rumor just obviously because of the Chicago connection and an opportunity for him to come back home. For sure, and he can help somebody out if they struggle with the national anthem too. So yeah, yeah, that's, that was one of the that was one of the uh, most purest moments I remember in, for, as far as with Mo Cheeks. Uh, I think it was with the Blazers at the time, right? Yeah, 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 absolute man, super wholesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let's wrap with this. Given given what you've seen from this Bulls team and Billy Donovan coming here, and obviously with uh, a new front office with Karnishevis and Eversley, I mean, it obviously, it's going to be a, a completely different scenario for Bulls fans after all these years with John Paxson and Gar Foreman. What do you think this team? I mean, granted, we haven't had an off season yet, but what do you think this team? can be capable of with Billy Donovan? Do you think he can be someone that can keep this team in the playoff hunt and really get this team to take the next step going forward? Yep. Yeah, I believe so. You know, like I said, just because he's, he's really good at developing his players and, you know, that, you know, kind of getting the most out of his roster Uh, and especially in the East, uh, I definitely think you guys can, you know, kind of contend for, you know, a playoff spot, um, you know, around the eight spot. I know, you know, the Nets are going to, you know, be right back in the thick of it, be, mm-hmm. but I think you guys can compete with the likes of the Magic and, you know, teams like that. So, yeah, I would definitely put you guys up there. No doubt. Dylan, thank you for joining us on the show. Really great having you. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can listen to Topic Thunder, and, of course, provide uh, your social media handle as well so I can give you a follow. 
Absolutely, man. Uh, you guys can find me on my Twitter at ThunderChats. Uh, follow our podcast on our Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, you name it. And uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely appreciate you guys having me on. I had a lot of fun talking some ball with you. All right, man. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, no final thoughts. That was definitely a fun uh, conversation. Obviously, we got some good insight from Dylan. Uh, so, yeah, again, thank you for him, to him to, for joining mm-hmm. us. And, yeah, I'm just looking forward to see what happens. Obviously, the NBA season, next season is going to be a, a little bit of a wait, I feel like. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, of course, we'll be on the lookout for any more Bulls news as they look to uh, fill out their bench. And we'll see if there's any rumors about what they're going to do with the number four overall pick. But that's a wrap for this edition of Bulls Gold. As always, you can check out past shows on Spotify, on Apple, on Podbean, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And you can catch us every Tuesday, 9, 8 Central, right here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler, and this has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next week, Bulls fans. Yeah.